Welcome to the Rainmaker Fundraising Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Olson. This podcast is produced to give fundraisers and nonprofit leaders like you the tools to increase mission impact. Tune in weekly so you don't miss a thing. Your mission is critical. Your resources are finite. You need a partner that can deliver customized, scalable, and relevant donor communications that increase response and maximize net long-term revenue for your cause. You need Altus Marketing. Check us out at altusmktg.com or email me directly at a-o-l-s-e-n at a-l-t-u-s-m-k-t-g.com to learn how we can elevate your fundraising results. And now here's today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show today. This is Andrew Olson. I'm excited to be here today. Roy, it's good to see you. How are you, man? Good, man. This is going to be a fun one. I love it when we challenge establishment thinking, and I think we're going to do some of that today. I do, too. We're excited to have Vance Rausch here with us today. Vance is the founder of Overflow, um, and we we just learned that he's uh, well-connected with some good friends of ours. Vance, welcome to the show today. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Roy. It's, It's a pleasure. I'm excited to chat. We're excited too. So um, let's jump right in. What's Overflow? (laughs) Overflow is an online donation platform specifically for non-cash assets. So today we serve nonprofits and corporations and help inspire giving, unlock net new asset classes, um, currently through the form of mainly stocks and ETFs. So if you think about it, 90% of wealth is actually in non-cash assets with people that give today. But most nonprofits, they fundraise in the form of ACH debit credit, right? So it's actually backwards. You should actually be focusing um, on fundraising for non-cash assets because that's where wealth is, or what we like to call, that's where people's overflow is. And so what we do is similar to what PayPal has done to make giving super easy online from people's checking and savings account, we do that same thing, but for people's stock portfolio. And uh, recently, we just launched crypto as well. Our vision is to build the infrastructure that makes generosity frictionless across every major asset class. So stock, crypto, 401ks, IRAs, mutual funds, NFTs, wine collectibles, equity in your home, vehicles. We want to be the Amazon for giving. Okay. so so. I love where you're headed with this, but I got to ask, like, are, are, you a, are you a nonprofit guy? Are you a finance guy? Are you tech? Like, help us understand who you are and how you got to launching Overflow. I'm a pastor. What? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a pastor. But before people tune off, um, I'm also from a technology background as well. And so I have a little bit of a unique past decade I started my career at Google um, and then led product at a couple of growth stage startups in the Silicon Valley based in Palo Alto. And those experiences have been amazing. I've been a big believer in how technology can solve problems at scale. Simultaneous to that, though, my wife and I have had an incredible privilege to meet an Australian couple, our pastors now, uh, that wanted to plant a church in the heart of the Silicon Valley. And so we joined them uh, nine years ago now, almost 10 years ago, to plant a church. We started with seven people in the living room. Um, A church is a 501c3. So for our audience, it's relevant, right? Churches are nonprofits as well. We're charitable organizations. Started with seven people in the living room, 
Um, about a decade ago, we now have 4,000 members, 1,000 active recurring donors across 10 physical locations around the world. And so I very much uh, hold the hat of what it means for technology to scale impact, as well as understanding the pain points of fundraising for a 501c3 organization. That's great. So talk a little bit about what inspires you personally. Yeah. So my life verse or mantra, uh, if you will, is founded on a biblical proverb, an ancient proverb. It's actually found in Proverbs 11, 24 in the Bible. It says the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. It's been a verse that has been sticking with me for about 10 years now. Uh, something that has always inspired me. What does this mean that the world of the generous gets larger and larger? Well, what that meant for my wife and I is that we wanted to ensure that we always lived an open hand, generous lifestyle. I, I don't know about you, but when you first experience somebody paying for the bill at lunch, it did something in you, right? Like it was, it was kind of like you're thankful, but low-key offended too. You're like, no, 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 don't. <laughs> You know, but but you leave it thinking, wow, like they didn't need to do that. But out of their generosity, you know, out of the overflow and abundance of their generosity, they 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 covered the bill. And and the first few times that happened to me, it was very impactful. And I just remember leaving those interactions um, and remembering how I felt from it. And generosity since then has always been something that has captivated me. Over the last 10 years, I've been witness to a lot of the people I'm doing life with now that have uh, made a really good living um, working at big tech, at startups, at technology companies, things like that, and have been incredibly generous with what they've been blessed with, right? And I've always been impacted by that. People that are giving because they understand when you give to something outside of yourself, you start living for something beyond yourself. And it's not all about you anymore. And I actually really truly believe that's where fulfillment is found. And so this, this verse, or maybe you can even call it first principle, that the world of the generous gets larger and larger has been something that has inspired me, something that I've, you know, aimed to live out in my marriage and my family and my community, and something that I've also witnessed with the people around me. And so that's what motivates me is that is true. If the world of the generous gets larger and larger, I think I can dedicate my life to building a company or an organization or whatever you know God has for me in the future. I can I can build something that inspires the world to give. What if every single human being on the planet experienced the life of the generous? And so a lot of times as nonprofit leaders, we think that we need people's money. And don't get me wrong, we can definitely use people's money. <laughs> we can definitely use those resources. But more than us needing our donors and supporters' money, our donors and supporters need the opportunity to give. And that perspective shift is powerful. That perspective shift would actually revolutionize 
a nonprofit leader's perspective in fundraising, because we're not desperate for your money. We're actually going to keep doing our mission and our vision at the church or your local nonprofit. We've been doing this before we had any donations. And we're going to continue to do it, <laughs> even if we don't hit our donation goal, right? Because this is, this is what we've dedicated our life to. So it's actually not dependent on whether or not a certain individual gives or not. But that certain individual needs an opportunity to give, not because it only has impact, which it's table stakes. Hopefully the organization is well run where it's having incredible impact. That, that, that should go without saying. But they need an opportunity to give, not just because it has impact, but because there's intrinsic value in giving. When you give, something transacts in your heart. Something transacts in your mindset. All of a sudden, money is not a master to me anymore. If, if you can release money, it no longer controls you. And that's important. Wow. You know, it's interesting. Just, just hearing your uh, explanation of this, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it really runs parallel to something Andrew and I have, have, have said often in this podcast and in a few of the books we've written. Uh, you know, we all pray for money. But God only sends people. And, you know, the, the tool you're describing uh, today uh, really does help the donor. It's, it's very donor centric. As you said, it's about relieving the friction so that they can uh, make these non-cash gifts. And of course, we know that the average millionaire in America has less than $10,000 in their checking account. And we spend exactly. all of our time trying to get in the checking account. I like what you're doing because you're you're providing donors to uh, uh, make transformational gifts through all of their assets. Yeah. But talk about some of those assets before we kind of jump into a few more questions about. I want to find out about the tool and 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 how it works and and uh, and, and and specifically uh, how it really ministers to donors. That's that's what I hear in your heart. Yeah, I love that, Roy. That that that's brilliant. So the, the way that it works is that today our focused asset class is stocks. And so if you go through our tool, actually, we have a mutual friend that got us into City Team. So that's one of the customers that we serve. We love the work that they're doing at City Team, transformational work um, for many, many years now. And so let's say that you're a regular donor to City Team. What you would see actually is a landing page where it encourages you, have you considered donating stock this year to all the great work that we're doing at City Team? And when they click that button, they're gonna be prompted to connect to their brokerage account. So let's say you have your assets in Charles Schwab. So the same login that you would use for charlesschwab.com is the same login that you would use on Overflow to connect charlesschwab.com. We actually have an integration with them, right? Um, it's safe and secure. So you log in online and then all of a sudden you see your portfolio. So what's important for people to know, most people don't know this, okay? What's important for people to know is that it's most tax advantageous to give from your gains. That's right. So let's say I have $10,000 in gains on Tesla. Tesla over the past few years has done really, really well. So I have $10,000 in gains on that. That's awesome. But if I were ever realized that $10,000 in gains, I would be immediately hit with 
20 to 30% in capital gains tax, right? So I'd actually only see around $7,000 of that if I were to actually cash that in, right? But what if I gave that $10,000 in gains to City Team, for example? What happens is that you can, you know, select the Tesla stock, press submit, and then we facilitate everything in the back end to ensure that City Team gets that um, st- those stock shares in Tesla. But what happens is that those gains are now protected. When you transfer the stock directly to City Team, and they realize the gain, they realize the 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 stock by selling it and using it for buying food for the community and things like that. They actually can take all ten thousand because the government does not. Uh, enforce capital gains tax on 501c3 tax-exempt organizations. So that's really cool. Also, though, the donor, not we haven't only served them by making this easy, we've also served them because now they can take a charitable tax deduction of $10,000, the fair market value of the stock. Because if they were to sell it and then give it, they would have only been able to give around $7,000, let's say, for example. And they would have only taken a charitable tax deduction of $7,000. So it's literally a win-win-win situation that we're facilitating at scale now. Right. Now, a lot of nonprofits, when you look at, and I don't know, Andrew, it's probably your guess as good as mine, how many people uh, during the, how many nonprofits during the pandemic went out of business, how many new startups there are that replaced them, how many of us that held on, but uh you know, but we were pushing close to 2 million nonprofits before the pandemic. Wow. Um, and, and, you know, let's say that number has dropped now back down to, you know, 1.5 Wow, would be my guess. Uh, out of those 1.5, I mean, there, there's at least a million of them that are just too small to do the kind of things you're talking about. They don't ask for stock gifts because they don't know, they don't have the knowledge uh, they don't know a broker. They don't know, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's beyond their reach to be able to take advantage of. And so what you've done with this tool is, um, you know, is made this as, uh, accessible uh, to everybody, not just the big nonprofits, but the small as well. Yeah, I mean, we've talked to organizations at the level of Save the Children, and they literally have staff, like in the dozens. Right. That facilitate this type of giving. That's cool. But the reality is most nonprofits, especially the long tail of nonprofits, don't have those type of resources to bring in the right staff, to bring in the right sophistication to be able to actually capture these types of gifts. And so we do everything from even we have this thing called liquidation services where the nonprofit doesn't even need a brokerage. We will receive the stock on their behalf, liquidate it, and then give them the cash value, taking any headache or any logistics off of their plate so that they can focus on what they were called to do. So Vance, I, I think you know for a lot of our listeners right now, when you're saying that, they're saying to themselves, well, wait a minute, when, when my donation page provider processes a transaction for me, they're taking 5%, 7%, 3% plus an extra fee, like, is this worse? How does this work? You know, how much of that transaction does overflow take? And, and how does that work to make sure that they're optimizing their transaction with, with their donor as well? Yeah, it really depends on the volume and the size of the organization, our pricing scales. 
okay. alongside that. Um, we're very similar in the sense of other donation platforms where there is a, a modest subscription fee plus um, some sort of transaction fee. One thing that makes us different though, which I will say, is that a lot of our customers actually, and this is this is from their words, um, hey Vance, these are gifts that I otherwise wouldn't have had yeah. without overflow. And so what, what we feel really <laughs> confident in and what we have a lot of pride in is that, you know, we're a company, we're a business, we need to make money so that we can reinvest into creating more innovative technology for the ecosystem. But we feel really good about it because we're actually providing net new value. There's a lot of other tools out there that's just trying to capture a share of the value that already exists, right? Our first principle truth at Overflow, one of our operating principles is provide more value than you take. And so that's what guides our business relationships. And what we hope actually um, that nonprofits see us as is truly an extension of their fundraising team. Well, and that's I, the type of, yeah. I, I appreciate that. And I, I think it makes a ton of sense, right? So, and I, and I think you're right. You know, it, it, it's one thing to say, well, wait a minute, we're paying 3% on the $100 credit card transaction. <laughs> exactly. <right? clears throat> it's something completely different to say, hey, wait, we're going to pay 3% or even 5% on a $15,000 right. stock distribution that otherwise would have been a $100 credit card gift. Right. Oh, so that's a good point, right? Because like I said, the average donation through something like PayPal is $128 across the nation. So our average donation at Overflow today, I just pulled this a few weeks ago, is $9,000 in value. There right? you go. Yeah. People are disproportionately more generous with stock. And what's so funny is that some of this is actually just marketing and education, right? I mean, you need the tool to be able to facilitate it. But half, half of this is actually truly partnering with the organization and helping them roll this out in an effective way to their donor base so that their donor base, everybody has a short attention span. You have to grab their attention. You have to explain it succinctly, right? And you have to have a technology platform that makes it seamless. But if you can do that, when donors actually go through the process and they give, a lot of the feedback, because we do NPS score surveys after people give, right? A lot of the feedback is, I didn't even know <laughs> that I could give in this way. And a lot of times when our customers- You're, you're saying the donors are saying that. The donors are saying that. Okay. So a lot of times when our nonprofits are comparing a donor that they've had for years, right? Their gift last year compared to when they rolled out overflow and their gift this year, we know it's net new because we're making that comparison and they were disproportionately more generous this year with overflow than their previous gifts before. Cause this is the first time they actually was, were educated that they can give from their stock portfolio, not just their checking account. So I want to stop us right here. Cause I think what you're doing is brilliant and every nonprofit should be engaging in this. How, what's your website? Overflow.co overflow.co overflow.co. How do people get in touch with you directly if they want to learn more? Absolutely. So you can book demo right on the website. Our team is very responsive. Or if you're listening to this podcast, you can reach out directly to me, the, the CEO of the company. My email is vance, V-A-N-C-E, at overflow.co, vance at overflow.co. 
And I want to be very clear, Roy and I don't make a dime off of this. <laughs> I think it's, it's true. What you're doing. So it's we want true. to Andrew and Roy are, are also exuding generosity. I appreciate you both. <laughs> hey, we'll take just a minute. Um, the thing that keeps going through my mind, uh, in, and I meet with donors regularly uh, uh, every week. Uh, usually those that make stock gifts or um, uh, asset giving, uh, they do tend to be older. Uh, yeah. uh, now, generationally, what are you seeing uh, across the board with your clients? Are you attracting younger donors? Is there a mix or older people using the tool? Yeah, our tool is generational. So we have boomers, we have Gen X, Gen Y, all using our platform. I will say this though, what I'm seeing is that with apps like Robinhood and the explosion of financial technology, FinTech, what we are seeing is that investing is getting incredibly democratized. Mm. And so, you know, let's just take Robinhood, for example. Robinhood, I think, is over 20 million accounts now. Okay, half of all new brokerage accounts are created on Robinhood. That is staggering. What does that mean? That doesn't mean that people are leaving Charles Schwab and Fidelity. People still have those accounts, right? But what that means is they're onboarding net new investors into the market, <laughs> right? Um, in addition to that, cryptocurrency is also one of the fastest growing asset classes as well. And that is pretty much a security as well. And so you're seeing this enthusiasm and this explosion of participation in the market. And it's not just boomers having portfolios anymore. Having a portfolio is starting to become table stakes. And it it's trending to, to the place where most people actually in America are eventually going to have some sort of or some version of a portfolio. Um, what we are seeing specifically with millennials is that it used to be that millennials had 20% of their net worth in stocks and ETFs. It's now 40% on average in stocks and ETFs. And so millennials, because of the way that they're getting compensated, if they work for a more modern or technology forward company, they're getting compensated in stock. But also, again, people have this enthusiasm now to be part of the market. Wow. I'm blown away. I mean, this just opens up giving uh, and asset giving, not only to nonprofits who prior to this could not, did not think they had the expertise to do, uh, but now it's offering the opportunity for the donors <laughs> uh, to use their stock portfolio to do something pretty special. Um, that's right. That's, that's really, right. it's really interesting. Um, Take a minute. Let's zoom back up. We jumped right into the trees right away. Let's zoom up and uh, let's zoom up and look at the forest. Mm. And uh, talk to me. You know, I know. Uh, uh, I mean, Andrew and I, you know, talked to hundreds of of nonprofit leaders. Um, um, you know, everybody uh, has spent a lot of time over the last two years um, uh, buying shiny new things that are supposed to help them on the internet. Um, you know, downloading these apps and and neat programs, and that they really are the bells and whistles of uh, of our industry right now. And and you know, I hear and, and sense a lot of buyers' remorse from folks that it just didn't do that thing they bought, that app they downloaded, 
that digit or widget they they now have isn't doing what they thought it would do. What what are you seeing industry wide? Yeah, there is a crazy amount of capital being invested into financial technology right now. A lot of it is connected to personal finance. And you see a new personal finance app. It started with mint.com way back in the day, right? But since then, you pretty much see a new personal uh, finance app launch almost like every other month now. (laughs) Mm. And it's funny, you're going to continue to see that uh, because no personal finance app is actually solving the problem. All, All of them are playing defense, right? What do I mean by that? Well, if you think about a personal finance app, what are they trying to do? They're trying to get you to save money for yourself, right? And so what they do is they connect up all of your bank accounts or you manually input all of your kind of balances. And then uh, you start tracking your transactions. And then every single personal um, finance app is just you know, a different version, a different UI of beautifully showing you what you spend and how it's categorized, right? What's happening is that people get really excited when they download the app and they see beautiful pie charts of, oh, okay, cool. That's how I spend my money. But they immediately stop going to it. Why? Because it keeps producing more and more anxiety. It doesn't actually solve the problem. It just actually more beautifully shows them that they spend more than they save. Mm, (laughs) That they they spend more than they make. Okay. So I literally have friends, right, uh, that won't even open up their bank account because they're in fear (laughs) and they're anxious about how much they don't have, right? Because what's not motivating enough is how much I can save for myself. And so the financial technology app or financial services companies or individuals that actually truly help people are the ones that kept get people beyond saving just for themselves, but saving for either legacy or here's a higher level purpose, saving for things beyond yourself. And so that's why I feel like the first principles of what overflow is built on, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, is actually really profound from a personal finance and personal um, uh, budgeting standpoint, because when I flip the switch, when I stop playing defense, and I start playing offense. And my life is about not just how much I can save for myself, but how much I can give to others. It completely cha- changes the paradigm. All of a sudden, I'm not living on 110%. I spend $110 when I make $100. I- I'm living on 80%. I'm living on 90% because my life is now connected to something so much bigger that, than me, right? It changes the motivation, which then changes the behavior. And then all of a sudden, that anxiousness shifts into anticipation. If if people can actually start anticipating, oh, wow, cool. Like my income is not just for me anymore. My income is for these causes that I care about. It will literally revolutionize your relationship with money. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I'm loving this conversation. And I, I, this might be my, my favorite interview we've ever done, Roy. Oh, come on. That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> That's... Uh, Talk a little bit, like I, I know we've we've talked about how overflow makes this accessible for really any donor and, and any organization, but in in the the work that you've done already, 
do you see that there's like a, a sweet spot in the, either the type of organization or the size of organization or or where they are in their life cycle that makes an ideal user of your platform? On the donor side or on the nonprofit side? On the nonprofit side. Yeah, 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 yeah. So our, our heart is to serve as many nonprofits as, as we can. Where we see a specific fit right now in terms of it's just kind of a home run, right? Are nonprofits that have a growth mindset and that have a desire to have excellence in their marketing, right? And so the, the organizations that are successful with overflow is not actually so much correlated to how much they do annually in donations already. It's actually more correlated to the level of engagement and partnership that we have um, in that relationship that we build. So for example, organizations that have done really, really well on overflow, number one, have an appetite to grow, right? They have a vision to expand their impact. If you don't have that, it's already an uphill battle, right? Because if you don't have goals to increase your impact for this year and the next three years, the next five years, then no matter what we provide, you know, we're only going to be limited to that vision, right? And so the, the organization has to have some sort of vision and some sort of growth goal. In addition to that, the organization needs to have a marketing team in-house or an appetite to bring marketing contractors in to help roll out the platform to their donors in a concise and compelling way, right? So if they just simply put the overflow button on their website, we all know this, that's not going to do anything, right? People are going to say, you know, what is this gift stock button? I don't know anything about that. And they're just going to ignore it. But if you have a, a compelling um, campaign and program that you run through your social media, if you have a video, maybe from the CEO of the organization explaining to their donors that it's a tax efficient way to give, right? If you have, um, you know, an email that goes out that shows an infographic of like the tax savings and then, you know, what it's going to be contributing towards all those things in combination then actually inspires generosity at large. And so we, we find a lot of organizations become really successful when they're ready to go on a true partnership journey with us to roll this out right. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, I think the other thing, talking about the average gift that you're seeing, you nine over $9,000, a lot of fundraisers are going to be saying right now, well, wait a minute, that's a major gift for my organization, yeah. mm -hmm. right? Yep. And what, what we all know is that you, you kind of back to what Roy was saying early on in our conversation, you you know, you, you pray for dollars and, and, and you get people, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's entirely a relationship-based model yes. at its heart. Yes. Right? That's where we get the highest return on investment. That's where we tend to get the greatest level of margin uh, off of giving. Um, and, and so I think a lot of fundraisers are going to say, well, wait a minute, why in the world would I put an app between myself and my donor? Like, help bridge that gap. Yeah. So what I try to educate nonprofit leaders on is, and everybody knows this, we, we all are participants of it. The world has changed in the last 10 years completely. Okay. The other day we just remodeled, we remodeled our bathroom 
And literally we got our tub from Amazon. We clicked three buttons and a bathtub was at our doorstep in two days. <laughs> what? <laughs> but you're telling me that I have to fill out a form and find a fax machine to give stock. <laughs> so, so the reality is that I wouldn't say the app is a barrier between you and your donor. The platform is a tool to enhance your relationship with the donor, right? So if you provide a tool that gives them the same level of convenience that they're experiencing already on Venmo and Amazon, then that's going to build relational equity. The most tragic stories that I've heard in philanthropy is when a high net worth individual, or maybe not even high net worth, somebody that just had a, a windfall, you know, um, whether it was inheritance or their, their company did really well and they had a windfall and they're looking to give maybe six figures, in some cases, seven figures, right? They're looking to give. They obviously learned about giving stock. And so they go on the journey and it takes them a month, 45 days, 60 days to complete that transaction because they're not full time on trying to make this transaction go through. They're just kind of like missing notifications from their broker. They're, you know, responding to things sporadically. And in totality, it takes them like 45 to 60 days and, you know, a bunch of signatures, a bunch of annoying phone calls to verify things, you know, all that type of stuff. And so at the end of the 60 days, they gave a six figure gift or in some cases, a seven figure gift, and it became a burden to them. So cool. The nonprofit got the six figure gift. The nonprofit got the seven figure gift, but they're not getting that again from that donor. That donor, if they're going to give, they're just going to go through the, the, you know, PayPal button next time. It's too bad, too much hassle. Right. So the tragedy is not even in just, um, you know, the difficult process for that one time gift. If we want to think about relationship, if you make it a pleasant experience that first time that they do it, they're going to be interested to do it again later. Right. Yeah. So um, that makes a ton of sense to me. And I think, you know, we, we often hear the fear of like, well, we don't want some a barrier between us. But you're right, it makes it so much easier. And, and we all know that the more we can remove, to use your word, friction from the process, whether it's in a relationship or in you know, the culmination of a transaction, the more likely it is that it's going to happen and that it's going to happen again. So I, yes. I love that. And, and something to note on that, Andrew, um, in our relationships with our nonprofits, overflow is not the hero. The nonprofit's the hero. So for example... We just provide the tools to make it easy for the nonprofit to communicate with their donors. So in a very simple case of substantiation letters, right? The documentation needed for a donor to take the charitable tax deduction. And it's a little bit nuanced with uh, non-cash securities, non-cash assets, right? Um, we actually automate all of the documentation, but we don't send it on the um, nonprofit's behalf, right? They are empowered to send it from them. Their logo is highlighted. Um, their organization is the hero, not Overflow. Overflow is just a tool, right? It's a lot different than the uh, than the old PayPal model, right? Where exactly everything yeah. goes through them, and it, you might get lucky to know who the donor is or how to t communicate with them, but oftentimes you don't. So I, I think the the way that you've you know designed this and the elegance of it really is is important for people to understand. Yeah.
Yeah, and until you've actually tried to process a stock gift before, and you're having to explain to the donor, literally what you said is true. Well, according to uh, your company's guidelines, or uh, uh, you've got to fax this to the broker who faxes it to somebody else. I haven't seen a fax machine in 20 years, but yet, you know, they're literally going to uh, UPS and places like that to to start. Literally today, literally today. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) Well, Vance, um, I'm so glad we had this conversation. I I think- Likewise. Brilliant. Um, And I I hope that every nonprofit that listens to this uh, reaches out and gets in touch because the the ability to increase generosity and to unlock transformational giving um, is at their fingertips if they'll take advantage of it. Thank you for being here. Once again, how do people get in touch with you? Yeah, so you can go to overflow.co, learn more about us, book a demo, meet our team. They're amazing. And you can also reach out to me directly, Vance at overflow.co. If you are on social media, you can just search Vance Rausch on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, and I'm always up to connect. And thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you again. Have you read my Amazon number one best-selling book, 101 Biggest Mistakes Nonprofits Make and How You Can Avoid Them Yet? It's the book that I wrote with expertise from over 20 nonprofit leaders and their 300 years of combined experience. You can download it for free today. Just visit andrewolson.net and go to the free resources tab on my site.